Good morning. How are you? Are you moving forward? Are you pedaling and moving forward in the kingdom? Whoa. I need all the kids on stage. Come on, kids. Come on, kids. Come sit around me again. Usually you guys are downstairs, right? During this time, but you're up here. Look at this. All ages. This is awesome. Hi. How are you guys? Summer's almost over. Have any of you started school? Not yet. Have you? Yeah? Close. <laughs> you started? So I have a question for you real quick. Do you, does anyone remember what, what I talked about last week? Do you? Okay. We were talking about Canada. Canada. <laughs> this is like going to be my test of how well I did. <laughs> Canada. Thank, yes, you're right. We talked about Canada. Okay, what else? Anyone remember anything else? Yes. You talked about moving forward. Moving forward. Yes, very good. Moving, yep. And like what you wanted for like Christmas or your birthday. What do you want for Christmas or your birthday? Yep. What else did we talk about last week? Moving forward in what? Do you remember what moving forward meant? Yeah? In Christ's kingdom. In Christ's kingdom. Very good. Do you remember what, what, what that meant? Like, how is it you know, living our lives for Christ, doing things for him? Is that kind of what you were going after? Am I leaving you with that question? So, what do you, what would you, what do you guys, when you think about your life, how many more years do you have left, do you think? A lot. you have a lot of years left? Like, how many? Depends. If you die young, yeah. We're praying that doesn't happen. But how, so how many years, you, so, so if you think of your life and all the years you have left, what do you want your life to account for? What, what, what would you love to have God use you for? Yeah. I want to become a doctor. You want to become a doctor. Very cool. Anyone else? What do you want God to use you for? To help people. Yeah. What else? What do you want God to use you for in your life? You like your puppy dog. Very cute. I love your puppy dog too. What's your puppy dog's name? Tucker. Yes. Thank you. What else? What else? Yes. Or nothing. What's that? Um, I forgot. You forgot. Okay. Would you want, so, so when you think about God using you to, to help people out, does that get you excited? Yeah? yeah? Like being a doctor, that's a, great, that's a great role. So is that something you're praying about? Is that something you're thinking about? Is how can God use you in your life? Yeah? And what he wants you to do? That's good. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today some more, okay? So why don't you go, go ahead and have a seat. Why don't you guys give him a hand? Thank you, Summer. My puppy dog. All right, so welcome to Chapel Hill. My name is Peter. I'm the worship guy here. Paul's on vacation. He's ne- he'll be, he- be here next week, and uh, excited for that. We're going to continue this, this topic of suffering for the good. Before I get to that, I just want to say there are some individuals here who actually have been running for 24 hours in the Ragnar relay race for 180 miles. Is that right? Two, I'm sorry, 200 miles, and 30, 200 miles and 36 hours specifically. And two of them, right, two, three of them were on stage. Dale, who did announcements, and uh, Brett played drums today after running 200 miles in 36 hours in a van and all that craziness. And then, and then also Sue as well. Isn't that crazy? And they're here. And then, and then we have Benita and Allie are here as well. You guys did it and you guys made it this morning. Anyone else that missed that did Ragnar? Jennifer did it. Well done. What? Pregnant. I feel really bad. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yes, who else? Lori did it. Lori did it. 
Heather Boiler, Jason Boiler. That's like Gary Hoyle did it. That's awesome. So you guys drove in a van and you ran, and then you like took shifts, right, doing relays for 200 miles in 36 hours. I heard from one person. I think I think Al, you said you you love that you did it, but you'll never do it again. <laughs> Is that right? Suffering for the well, good, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're going to continue our our talk on this and. What I, w- what I talked about last week was living a cruciform lifestyle, a cross-like lifestyle, because this is our example. So if you want to go to that, that next slide, Alan, this is the verse we've been looking at here, is when you do good and you suffer for it, you endure. When you do good and you suffer for the good and you endure that suffering, this is a gracious thing before God. God is pleased with you when you suffer for the good. And I love this verse right here. For to this you have been called. You've been called to suffer for good. That's the Christian calling, to suffer for good. Why? Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. The call of the Christian life is to follow the cross-like lifestyle, the cruciform pattern of living, of suffering for the healing, the restoration, the redemption, and the salvation of this world. That's what gets Christian hearts beating fast. That's what gets us excited. That's what we're all about. And I want, this is my aim and my goal, is to get you to think about what are you spending all your time and effort and energy doing? And is it counting for the kingdom? Is there eternal value to what you're doing? Or are you simply on a stationary bike, pedaling as hard as you can, saying, I'm so busy, my schedule is so crazy, but from a kingdom perspective, you're really not going anywhere. I want you to go somewhere. I want you to get, when you get on that, that uh, bike you're, and you're pedaling and working, that you're going somewhere, that there's kingdom value being created in everything that you're doing, that God is moving through you to heal, to restore, to redeem, to bring salvation to, to your family, to your neighborhood, to the city, to, in the church, that you would be a vehicle for that sort of thing against any sort of social issues like human trafficking, or poverty, that you would be used by God to make a difference in all of these things. And that's what we're focusing on um, these last couple weeks, because that's our calling. Now, here's the exciting thing. There are people here, and this, this came up all week for me, people here who are doing this, and this is no surprise to you, people in Chapel Hill who are giving their time and money and effort and energy and, the, and, their, and their talents and their gifts and their education and their experience for the healing and the restoration and redemption and salvation of the world. And I want you to hear from them today. So I want to bring up Luke Thiel. So Luke, why don't you come on up? And Luke's going to tell us a little bit about what he did this summer and what he learned. And, uh, and I want to bring to your mind again, if you were here last week, there was that video of, uh, of uh, Penn Gillette, and he talked about people who witness and how he, 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 he thinks it's amazing. He thinks that's a great thing, a, a virtue, that Christians who believe there's a heaven and there's a hell would go tell people about it, if you remember that video. And so um, Luke did that. He went and, he went and uh, did some evangelism, and I wanted to talk about that. So Luke, let me give you a mic, and uh, tell us what you did last, this summer. Testing. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm going to use this, because audience give credibility. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, like Peter said, uh, my name is Luke Thiel. Um, This summer I went on what is called a summer project uh, over to Jersey Shore with Campus Crusade. Uh, This is a 10-week summer project, and um, basically what you do is you develop leadership skills and you evangelize. Um, The Jersey Shore is an extremely broken community. Um, It's struck with destruction from Hurricane Sandy. Um, It's overpowered with the party atmosphere with high school and college students, and um, due to many people leaving from the storm, gangs are just on the rise. Um, so to help you understand how my summer went, I thought I'd just share a couple of stories with you. Um, so yeah, for part of the program is every Tuesday night we have what's called Date Night with Jesus. And you spend three hours alone, completely secluded, away from people, just to spend basically three hours with God. So I decided to go out to the beach, and we're given an optional walkthrough study, um, just something that can kind of give you a guideline in just through your three hours of time. Um, and this particular study talked about walking with the Spirit, and um, I learned a little bit, um, but I mean, this is, I heard most of this growing up. It's just stuff I've heard over time, time and time again, and 
Um, as I'm going through, at the end, it, it has these rhetorical questions that ask you, like, do you want to follow God's plan? And it's just really obvious questions, like, yeah, do I want to do that? And I'm like, oh, do you want to walk with the Spirit? Like, of course. Like, so um, I'm going through these questions, and I'm getting really frustrated, and to the point where I'm even getting, like, angry. Like, like yes, I want the Spirit to use me. Are you kidding me? Like, that'd be awesome. And, and then I started thinking, like, yeah, I'm, I've been a Christian my entire life. Like, why? I should be like a Holy Spirit time bomb right now. Like, like God, why aren't you using me in big ways? Um, and at that moment, God was like, fine, then go do it. And I felt this, this overpowering urge just to, like, go. And some of you kind of know what this feeling, that, that Holy Spirit feel where, like, you just feel like in your gut you're supposed to go do something or say something. And um, this was stronger than I've ever felt it before. And I just felt like I was just supposed to go. So I start walking, and I'm leaving, and I don't really know what I'm doing yet, so I'm kind of freaking out. But I'm going, and I'm walking, and I get back out to the boardwalk, and I, I cross this guy who I had passed walking in, and just a little precursor, the boardwalk's like three miles down and back. So I had seen him coming in. He had walked three miles down, three miles back, and I caught him in that 15-second window that he was walking by again. Um, so then I feel led to talk to him. So I start approaching him, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I'm never... I've done this, like, so I just, I'm going towards them, and I'm like, what do I say? And then I start telling myself these little lies, like, like, no, no, you're just telling yourself you're supposed to talk to them, like, like, you just want some really cool spiritual experience, so you're just, you're just, this is just you. So I end up walking, I walk right past them, and he goes by, and I'm like, dang it, like, that, <laughs> I was totally supposed to do that, and God's like, nope, keep going, go talk to him, now he made it awkward, so. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm trying to think of, like, ways. I'm like, oh, I'm a jogger. Yeah. No, that's stupid. <laughs> All right, I'll just catch up to him real quick. So, hey, yeah, I you know this might sound kind of weird, but I'm trying to think of some random dumb question to ask him. So just to, like, get the ball rolling. So I was like, hey, um, if you give me one piece of advice, what, what would you tell me? Uh, and he goes, don't be me. And that kind of caught me off. I was like, whoa, like, that's intense. Like, like what do you mean? He's like, just don't be me. And he continued to, to tell me about how, um, he had been a millionaire, and he had built this super awesome house, and, you know, his life was going great, and then the storm just wiped it out. Um, and I was like, well, tell me more about that. And he starts going to explain how he's blaming God for everything that happened. Um, I'm like, wow, like, that's not what you want to do. But So I go up to him, and I'm like, well, do you mind if I tell you what, what I think about God? And he said, yeah, well, sure. Like, he's kind of bitter about the situation, but... Over that time, I, I began to walk with him across the boardwalk, and um, I was just able to share the gospel with him and what God's done in my life and tell him my story. And at the end of the walk, he ended up taking this little booklet we used to share, and, and he ended up saying he wanted to pray the prayer on himself. He's a very internal, like personal, internal person, and he wanted to say the prayer on his own time later that night. Um, so, yeah, I kind of felt kind of stupid after like, seeing what God actually did with me. Um, I, don't, I don't think God's an I told you so kind of person, but if he was, he'd probably been like, there, are you happy? You know, trust me. <laughs> um, not even a week later, um, one of the, we have like a themed week kind of deal, and this week was called Killing the Giants. And this is a metaphor referring to people that were nervous or afraid to talk to. Um, example of this would be people of a different race, girls, family members, clowns, I don't know, wh- whatever you, Whatever you're nervous to talk to. And my, my giant was older men. I felt like they didn't value my opinion. They didn't want to hear what I had to say. Um, so during this week, I flew home for my sister's graduation. And um, I was just praying that God would lead me to someone in the airport that I could just talk to and just have a spiritual conversation with. Um, so I'm looking for a place to eat. And I find this pizza place. And I go down and I order my pizza. And super busy, not many p- tables left. So I find this last table that's available. And I sit down. And not two minutes later, some guy comes up and says, hey, like, can I, can I sit down and talk to you? And, and he was older. I was like, okay, well, like, here's the dude, like, supposed to <laughs> buckle up. So um, I started talking to him, just kind of really basic conversation. What are you doing here? What's your name? John. Okay, cool. Um, and I'm trying to think of, like, ways that I can turn this into a spiritual conversation. And, again, I start telling me those stupid little lies, like, oh, yeah, God didn't lead you to this person. He's, you just want that to be some cool story. So... Um, I ended up talking to him, and, like, I just totally chickened out. Like, okay, hey, John, yeah, nice to meet you. Like, well, maybe I'll see you, maybe I won't. Okay. So I leave, and I'm walking back, and I'm like, God, dang it, I did it again. Like, <laughs> so then I felt, like, really guilty, and I'm, like, wasting time before I get on the airplane, going to the bathroom. And 
And then I'm like, maybe I should just pray about it. So I start saying a prayer, and I'm like, God, just give me a chance to talk to that guy again. Um, so after that, I lollygag and whatever. I start going back to the gate and start walking back to gate C3, and I'm like, who do I see sitting in my terminal? It's John. So I'm like, awesome, like a second chance, finally. This is cool. So um, I sit down next to him, and I begin to start talking to him some more. And I began telling him what I was doing this summer, and um, kind of how we share is, like, on the boardwalk as we go up with a survey, and, and then we go through this little booklet that tells us about, like, the gospel and stuff. So we're going through this survey, and that's how I was going to transition to it. And I get to the question that says, how do you think you go to heaven? Um, and he looked at me in the eye and said, Luke, I wish I could answer that question. Um, I, recently, I've been believing that this is God, but, and I want to tell this to my family, but I don't know what it means to be a Christian. Um, so I was then able to explain the gospel to him, how to dedicate your life to Jesus, and we then continued for 40 minutes about how he could explain this to his family and what it meant to live for God and how his wife and kids could learn how to live a Christ-filled life. I mean, these are just a couple stories. Like, we saw gang members break down. We saw girls start bawling and sharing more with us than they did their best friends. Um, even my boss, one of the most bitter, angry men I've ever met, he's now an active member in the church. I learned a lot of things this summer. I learned, I learned how to be confident when I share my faith. Um, of course, it's super weird and uncomfortable going up to, like, some random dude and, like, sharing what you believe. And, um, but instead, I learned, like, instead of thinking, like, oh, what if they think I'm weird? You, you start to think, like, I've seen where this can go. I've seen the power this can have, and it's worth it. I had a lot of those days where I just don't want to. Or, like, I, it's just uncomfortable. I'm tired. I've worked landscaping. I'm done. I'm just going to take a break for the day. But I found that when I was in that mode, when I didn't want to, I was more successful in sharing than if I was right in the morning, ready to go, ready to share. Um, there's no greater feeling than knowing that God used you to see someone come to heaven, or come to Christ and go to heaven. And, I mean, think of it this way, like, do any of you think you're going to say, man, I wish I didn't share the gospel today? Like, <laughs> like God wired us to find joy in sharing what you believe and seeing it change lives. I also learned how to depend on the Spirit I learned that, like, to follow that gut feeling that's not just you. I mean, sometimes it is you, but, but, like, what if it isn't? And lastly, I learned about Satan's lies. That lie that God's telling you, like, no, that's just you saying that. Like, it's not you. It's not God telling you to lead, lead to that person or say that nice deed or do that nice deed or whatever. Like, you don't say deeds, but, um, but yeah, like... Um, but sometimes it is just you saying that, but what if it isn't? I just gave you two stories of, but what if it isn't? And that last lie that, that people don't want to talk about what they believe, that's bogus. I talked to over 100 people on the boardwalk, and maybe five said that they weren't willing to talk about it. And of those five, all five were just people who weren't willing to talk about anything. <laughs> um, and this is New Jersey, like the crabbiest people in the world. You can't even take left turns over there. Like, um, <laughs> But, so, like, what are the odds in Minnesota nice? <laughs> I would like to encourage you to at least try it. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Um, God was able to use a small group of college students to have 2,240 conversations, have 586 evangelistic conversations, and bring 128 people to Christ. What do you think he can do with you? If any of you have questions with what I shared, I'd be more than happy to talk to you about it after the service. Thank you. you see Luke's passion? Uh, he was just so excited to share with you today. Luke, thanks for sharing that. I just want to pray for him because I think God really opened your eyes up, Luke, to something special. And I think, I, I think it's resonating in your heart. And I think he's got big plans for you. And uh, you just told me today what you're, what's going on at school up at NDSU, how you're starting things with your, with your lacrosse team. Started a Bible study and a prayer group. That's awesome. So let's, let's just pray for Luke. Lord, we just lift up Luke to you. We thank you that he has your heart. He has your passion. He wants to be used by you, Lord. And he is being used by you. Lord, thank you for showing him that he can have confidence in your spirit and in the nudges that come along every single day. Lord, thank you that you showed him the lies that people don't want to talk about this, but actually they do. And Lord, thank you for using Luke to bring more people along the way into the kingdom. Thanks for what you did out in New Jersey through him and the team. Praise you, Lord, for those over 100 people that gave their life to Christ through this mission. And uh, Lord, 
use Luke to challenge all of us that even today or this week, we would take one more step towards being out there with our faith, bringing up spiritual conversations, taking from Luke's example, and having more confidence in your spirit and rejecting the lies that people don't want to talk about this. Lord, use us as you use Luke. We want to be used by you to reach this world that doesn't know who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Luke. Awesome. All right. I have another one. You want another one? Uh, Natalie Neal, will you come up, please? Natalie, I'm super excited about this. Um, God has been doing some amazing things in her life, and um, uh, she's going to share with us. Go ahead. Okay. I have no credibility. Okay. Okay. Good morning. <laughs> um, I guess back in, in January, I, um, I had a, a life plan. Uh, I had a 401k. I had a great job. Um, I had a 5, 10, 15-year plan. I knew how retirement was going to work out, and it was going to be awesome. Um, and then I attended a, a women's mentoring meeting at, from Chapel Hill, and that kind of wrecked a lot of things for me. Um, I actually was talking to a member of this congregation and just kind of saying, you know, I've, I've, I'm feeling a little bit of, like, restlessness. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing, but I just feel like I'm supposed to be doing something different, something more. And she's like, well... Like, what? And so, well, maybe a mission trip. Yeah, your short-term mission trip, check it off the list. You know, it's great. Um, she's like, well, there's one going to Haiti. It's like, no, 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 no. I can't raise that much money, and I can't uh, go. That's in, you know, a month or two, and that's just not going to work for me. Um, she's like, no, I, I challenge you. Like, go sign up for that trip. And I'm like, mm-mm, no. Long story short, I end up going to Haiti, and uh, <laughs> it completely... <laughs> wrecked my life, ruined me, and in the most amazing way I can possibly come up with. Um, it was in Haiti that I got to see God, I guess, for, for the first time. Like, I mean, truly just how much he, he loves every single one of us, regardless of, of background or education or ethnicity, race. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And um, from, from the least of these to, to the North American church, um, he just— loves all of us. And so I, it, it affected the way it, it changed my perspective on, on how I, um, viewed God and how I viewed my relationship to God. Um, it was, it was powerful. It was really impactful. And so I, I came back and kind of as an aside, I, I love One Direction. Um, it's a boy band from the UK. So, and uh, the high schoolers can all tell you I had, like, a little cute One Direction binder that we would put, like, notes in and stuff. And so it was this running joke. Um, and I had bought a ticket to see them this past July in concert. And I bought it in, like, February. So I was super excited. I went around my office showing this ticket to everybody that would pay attention to me. Um, yeah, for, like, an hour and a half. So from cubicle to cubicle. And... Um, Needless to say, I was stoked about it. And I got back from Haiti, and I was like, all right, I want to go back. Number one, how can I go back? I'm like, all right, well, I need some money. I'm going to fundraise it myself. So immediately I was like, sell the One Direction ticket. I mentioned it to a couple of people, and they're like, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, why not? Like, you love One Direction. Well, yeah, but I kind of like what I felt over here more. So, you know, 10 days in Haiti seeing God's love versus three hours of prepubescent boy singing like that doesn't really it's not a, it's not a big deal right um i i guess in just in that decision um specifically with people at work actually people kind of come up to me and they're like you sold your ticket like are you are you crazy what did you find down there like what's so cool about haiti it's a third world country no like you know i i um i guess since going i've, I've been back a second time i'm going back in november um Needless to say, I, I have kind of a, a new addiction. I don't, I don't know what to call it, like a new passion. Um, I guess the kind of scary and beautiful thing is I have no idea what's going on in my life. Zero, zilch, I, have, I don't have a six-month plan. Because if you'd asked me where I was going to be six months ago, it would not be standing here talking to you because I'm actually terrified about talking to people of faith because... I don't have it all figured out. I haven't gone to college to speak to people about my faith or the Bible. Um, it's actually a, a place where I let Satan speak into my life. So just being here right now is me stepping out in, in faith. And I am 
super excited, obviously super nervous, but um, I guess the bottom line is just that for me, I don't know what's going on, but I know that I'm taking very dedicated, practical steps to getting to where I think God wants me to go. And that his plan for my life far surpasses anything that I could ever come up with on my own. And to me, that's just, um, it's beautiful. And I would just challenge people. I, I get, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, is it potentially like missionary? I don't know. Is it staying at the same job? I have no idea. I know that I'm throwing myself into youth group because I love these teenagers and I love being able to help speak some truth into their life from my past experience. Um, and I, I guess at the end of the day, I would just challenge everybody to just ask God, I mean, get on mission. What is your mission? For some people, it's a, a prayer group. For other people, it's evangelizing to, you know, people on the playground when your, your kids are playing with other people. I, I, don't, I don't know. It could be giving away as much wealth as you can build, but... Um, just ask because there's something so amazing out there for you. And I don't know what mine is yet, but I'm going to find it and it's going to be awesome. So thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> Natalie, thank you. That is so, I mean, that's amazing. That you, 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 I, I just can see the impact that AD had on you and just going and doing that and it's so encouraging to see, like, God just wreck a life. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, right? Just, yep. You sent me that article All about course. you were like, about being wrecked, and that wrecked. described you, and it wrecked what, what it did to you. And so let's just pray for Natalie as she goes through this time of transition now and, and seeking God's will for her life. God, we just thank you for Natalie. Lord, we praise you for what you've done through her and to her through the Haiti trip. Um, Lord, you have a path for her, and I know, and she's, as she said, she believes that. So, Lord, show her each step as she goes and help her to trust you even when things seem a little bit, um, you know, where she doesn't know where things are headed. Help her to trust you. Help her to trust that you are taking her somewhere so that she'll get up here again at some point in the future and say, I didn't know where I was going, but here's where I went. And I believe that's what's going to happen, Lord. So, Lord, use her. She's, she's your servant. She's made herself available to you. She's looking to you for guidance, Lord. And we, I pray you would give her that guidance, that you would use her life for the good, Lord, and you would help her to do amazing things for the healing, the redemption, the restoration, the salvation of this world and everyone that's around her. Use her at work. Thank you for that amazing testimony of selling those tickets and what the, the impact that had, even though she didn't intend it to be that way. You use it for that, Lord, and I believe you're going to do great things through that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Natalie. All right. You want to hear another one? All right. Um, can I have uh, Dale come up here? Dale, watch come on up. I'm actually going to interview Dale. Do you mind? <laughs> Sorry. Here, I'll jump this. All right, so Dale, I heard recently that you started a pr- like did a prayer gathering at your work recently. Can you just tell us how that happened? What happened? Um, yeah, so it was about a year ago now, or it was around Christmas time, and one of our employees had had a fire at their house. So I work at a company that's about 1,000 people, just so you know. Mostly engineers, hmm. not a lot of faith going on. Um, not that the two are related. <laughs> At least that I'll say out loud. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, this big email comes out to everybody in the company saying, hey, uh, so-and-so had a fire, we're collecting money. Okay, cool. That rarely happens at work where there's an email collecting money for that. But So that was good. And um, when I left that night, it was a Friday, I thought, Wow. There's a lot of other... So I know within my department, there's three or four people with cancer. There's somebody having a divorce. Someone's daughter just died. There's a lot of people going through a lot of stuff. And um, maybe I should reply all on this email that just went to everybody in the company from bottom to top. So CEO to part-time cleaner guy. And um, I wrestled with that a lot. For the whole weekend, because it was kind of the, if you do it, everybody's going to get it, and and everybody's going to know you're a Christian. (laughs) Um, So I really, 
literally wrestled back and forth all weekend. Do it, don't do it, do it, don't do it, do it, don't do it, do it, do it. And so finally, um, I don't know, Sunday night, Monday morning, just got to the point where God said to me, what have you got to lose? And I went, zero. Because if, if it blows up in your face, you don't want to be there anyway. And if it works, you just delivered what God was asking you to do. So I sent it. And I said, so I softened it a little. I didn't call it a prayer meeting. I said, hey, we're going to get together if anybody else needs support. Mm. And some are like, you know, people would walk into my office going, well, you want some more money? I'm like, no. So then I would tell them, no, we're going we're gonna to pray. And then they would leave. Um, <laughs> um, but we finally, we did get together. We had, I don't know, seven or eight people showed up. You know, so it's like 1% of the population. But it's interesting, the people that show up, you're like, didn't know you or you or, you know, there's this kind of hidden underground at most works of, of Christians because we don't show as we're uh, walking around. So we prayed and we prayed for like an hour because there was so much stuff uh, to pray about. And so we decided we'd just put it on the calendar every month and we would continue to do it. And so, and it was interesting because we had a one that was a Hindu Right, a couple of Christians, some Catholics, so the, the prayers all over the place. Um, but we always, so I would end it, and I, you know, I just made sure we ended it with, in Jesus' name, we're praying. Um, and so we've been doing it now for eight or nine months. Sometimes it's two of us, sometimes it's seven or eight. It hasn't grown. It's not like we've started a congregation in this in the work, but it it is the best hour of the month. I can guarantee you that. So, awesome. Have you had any negative pushback at all, or ne- any? No, no negative. It was interesting. After about a month, one of the executives, I, I don't know that he read the email. I think he heard it from one of his employees, said, hey, heard you're doing this. Um, that's cool. Hmm. And so that was kind of a, all right, well, at least hmm. it's been accepted in that level. Not that I cared. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have a higher boss. Yeah. So why'd you do it? Um, you know, it was, you know, we, worked, we went through that series here about when God whispers. He was whispering quite loudly, mm-hmm. just saying, dude, why, why are you struggling with it, Luke? Why are you struggling with this? Just don't make it awkward. Just go do it. Um, and so I, I just did, because I guess I've come to a point where um, work doesn't matter, right? If I had sent that and they fired me, I would like, okay, that's fine. There's other things. Hmm. Yeah, it's been cool. Awesome. Let's pray for Dale. Yes, let's give a hand. Oh, Lord, thank you for Dale. Thanks for uh, giving him the faith to trust you as he steps out into a culture that would not see this as maybe something that's good. It may, may push back, and he just went for it anyway with it, Lord. And I pray you would use him. Uh, in these prayer gatherings, to reach those who are of different faiths, like you mentioned the Hindus and others, that, Lord, use this prayer gathering for kingdom work. Um, give Dale words to speak as he prays, and, and, and I pray that this would lead to the spiritual conversations and, and, the, and the things that need to happen to bring more and more into the kingdom, Lord. Thank you for his courage, and I pray you would just use his story to encourage the rest of us as well. Amen. Thanks, Dale. You want another one? Yeah. Kate. Where's Kate. Come on up. This is Kate Box. And just on Thursday night, we had, uh, she's on the newest member of our worship team, um, as I'm sure you've noticed. And uh, she, on Thursday, shared with us a little bit about something that you're doing. So you told us on Thursday that you're going to be teaching finance classes at Dakota Woodlands, which is a woman's shelter. How did that happen? Um, well... A few months ago, I had really kind of started to feel a call to get more involved in my community. So started to do some research on some of the organizations in the area, came across Dakota Woodlands, and uh, emailed the director there. Um, I said right in the memo line, I'm not looking for a job, um, but I would like to get involved. Can I come in and talk to you? And so I went in, and the whole time I was a little worried about what I was going to say. But she loves what she, do, what she does, and so it was like an hour nonstop of her telling me what they do and, and the impact that they have, and I didn't need to really say anything. Mm. Um, 
which was great. And so we've kind of gone back and forth over the last couple months about, you know, where I might fit in, where I could fit a need. And they reached out to me a few weeks ago uh, with a specific request to have me teach a finance course, Mm -hmm. uh, which was great because I have a a background in finance. So it was a really great fit. And Hmm. um, yeah, so we're working on putting that together now. That's cool. So why, why, are you do, why are you doing this? Why are you giving, like, how much time is it? Like three months of sessions? Or? It's going to be a three-month course that I'll do repeated. Right. Um, the average stay of a woman there is about 67 days, so we're trying to uh, catch, okay. you know, yeah. in each cycle. Um, and So why are you doing it? Why are you doing this? I, I, want, I knew that God wanted me to impact the world around me, and recently I'd been pretty satisfied with that, just being my family and my friends. Um, but I think I knew that that was something I was kind of use, using as a shield a bit. Um, you know, well, I would help, but I have a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and words that my mom had said to me when I was just a teenager kind of have just been jumping out at me recently. And she had said, if I get to the end of my life and the best thing that I've done is raise amazing kids, I will have failed in God's call. And as a kid, I'm going, well, thanks. <laughs> um, and we talked about it, and she said, what I mean by that is that I need, to, I need to go beyond my home. I need to have God's love touch everyone I, everyone I come into contact with. I, I need to reach farther. And, and so I kept having that in my head, as, I need to reach farther. And so that's what I, I'm hmm. reaching. Hmm. So are you having to sacrifice anything to do this? Or like, is this... Well, it turns out the curriculum they have is, is not a really great fit. It's not well-received by the women there. It's also, you have to get it down a little bit more to, to their level of understanding at this point in their lives. Um, so I've gotten the go-ahead to completely redesign the curriculum. So I'm going to have to purchase some materials and, and, and put that together, which I'm really excited about. Hmm. Um, but it'll take time, and then obviously time teaching the course. Um, but I'm excited, in a way, to be away from my daughter because I want her to see... Mm. That, yeah. that that's worth an investment of time and energy. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a great example for your kids. Yeah. It's awesome. Let's pray for Kate. Lord God, we just thank you for, uh, for Kate. We thank you for what you're, uh, the mission you're sending her out here to do at Dakota Woodlands, Lord. Use her, Lord, to help these women sort out what is probably a very common problem is just the finances of what they have to deal with from their messy lives, Lord. Use Kate and give her tremendous wisdom to give... Um, precise advice to help bring that, uh, to help bring some clarity and some structure and simplicity and remove the complexity of what finances can be like, Lord. And I pray you give her uh, wisdom to speak encouragement into these women's lives, to, to encourage their faith and to, to be Jesus to them when she has um, interactions with them, Lord. Um, and Lord, thanks for her example and help us all to just, to, to be like Kate, to step out and when we see an issue like this, to just step up and do it. Um, Lord, praise you that she's willing to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Kate. So did everyone get one of these? If you didn't get one of these, just raise your hands. The ushers will walk around and give you one. So there are people all around here who are doing, suffering for the healing, the restoration, the redemption, the salvation of this world. And what I want for you is this. I want you to join in. I want you to be a part of what they're doing. I heard uh, there's a, some others that, that, that I, I got a list, and I'm probably going to miss you, but I know that you're, you're doing this not for the, the public af- um, affirmation, but uh, Jack Nagan, he's mentoring young women from Armstrong, where he teaches and coaches after hours in his own time. Um, we heard about Dale doing the faith group. Diana Montgomery mentors women coming out of addiction. She, two people have come to Christ through that, that mentoring. Um, Polly leads a, leads a group uh, to pray for Eastview students and staff during the school year. Rebecca Quick is ministering to caregivers that she meets while at the park with her kids. Um, the Quezons have been working with Camp Victory and helping them out, and Bob's using his retirement with Habitat for Humanity. And there's many, many other volunteers that are doing stuff behind the scenes with Camp Victory. Uh, and, and then I know Rich McConey's doing loaves and fishes once a month, has a basketball ministry with 20 to 30-somethings. And uh, Carolyn Bacconi's been leading those Haiti trips. She just throws it out there and says, hey, I'm going in November. Who wants to go with me? And so that's, so talk to Caroline if you want to go to Haiti like Natalie did. But there's people all over here doing things, suffering for the good. So what about you? On your sheet in front of you is just a, a little exercise I want to go through very briefly. And we're not going to have time to really think through it, but I want to encourage you to do it. I heard I got a lot of feedback 
this week that people, from last week, that people really want to evaluate and reevaluate how they're spending their time. What are we peddling for? Where are we going? Are we living that cruciform lifestyle? Are we doing kingdom work? And sometimes the question comes up, well, what should I be doing? What should I go for? What, what, should I start a prayer ministry? Should I work with the Dakota Woodlands? Should I go do evangelism? Should I go to Haiti and do that sort of thing? What, what should I do? So let me just give you something to do to try to help figure that out. So on, on the left side is our concerns and things that bother you. Oftentimes, vision for what we should do is started with a concern or something that bothers you. So when you think about your family or you think about your neighborhood, or you think about the nation or the world, or you think about your, you know, your, your finances or church or social issues, when you think about stuff, are, is there anything that comes to mind that it just has been bothering you for a long time? It's a concern of yours. Something that maybe is really, it really gets you going. It gets some emotion going. Maybe you've lost sleep over it. Those are indicators that maybe God has placed something on your heart. So I'd, I'd ask you just to write down what those concerns are. What are those things that are really, that bother you, that keep you up at night? Think about it. And I would just encourage, right now, go ahead and do it. If there's something, like give a key word. If there's something in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, something that bothers you, something that isn't the way it should be, that you've identified, and it's been on your heart. Something that isn't the way it should be. In your work, your career, your finances, in your marriage, with your kids, with your neighbors, here at Chapel Hill, ministry opportunities, ministry that you're not doing or that you could be doing or that should be done, social issues that should be addressed. What are those things that are bothering you? Get them down. Now, I have a question for you. Of those things that are on your heart, so maybe you wrote them down or not, but if you have something in mind, does it feel, has it gotten to the point where it feels almost like a moral imperative? Has it gotten to the point where it feels like if I don't do something about this, it's become a matter of obedience to God? Has anything, has, has this concern got to, gotten to that point? Or do you feel like it's getting to that point? Like it's, you, you sense, this is growing in me, this concern has been growing in me, it's been in my, on my heart for a long time, and it's getting to the point of nearly being a moral imperative to me, a matter of obedience. Then I want you to, to, to pay attention to that, and focus on that, and then think about this. Dream, how should this be? You have your concern, now what's the vision for this thing? What's, this is the before picture. What's the after picture? This isn't how you're going to get there. This is how is this going to look? What's the vision you have for this concern that you have? And you write that in the box next to it. What is the vision you have for that thing that's bothering you, that's concerning you? How do you want this to end up? Where do you want this thing to go? Don't think about how you're going to get there. Just think about what's, what is the end. And if you don't know all the details, that's fine. Just go as high level as you can, or go as low level. So if it's high level, that's fine. Just, you know, if it's like, my marriage is really bad, my marriage is great. Wonderful. That's great. It's just something simple like that, even. If you have a detailed vision, maybe put that in there. If you don't have that, if you don't have anything, any of these concerns or any visions, let me encourage you, go to Haiti. Get involved in a ministry. Get out there. So that your heart can get stirred up. When you're doing like the rat cage lifestyle and you're just kind of like doing the, what everyone does in America, sometimes you just turn your brain off and you turn your feelings and emotions off and you just kind of do the rat race and you miss life. Get out of your pattern and let God put something in you. And then I want, I want to, the other thing I want to coach you. If you do have a vision, if you have a vision, if something is here, you need to let that mature. And pray and wait and ask God, God, will you mature this vision in me? Will you give me more? Will you expand this, this after picture? Will you show me where this could go? Let God mature this vision in you. 
And I think this is a really important step because a lot of times when people get a vision, they just act and they go. And then the opposition comes and the resistance comes. And because the vision wasn't grown in you to the point where it should be, you just quit. And I've seen a lot of people just quit. And I want to see this vision mature to the point that you're willing to stand any sort of opposition. And then what's the next step? What's the thing you could do today? I'm just, I, I, my goal for, the, for these last two weekends is just to get to this point. I want you to do something. Take one step towards this vision. If your vision is huge and it's demoralizing, like you want to boil the ocean, well then today, pick which ocean. Okay? Take one step. One step today. What's something you could do today or this week towards this vision? Because here's what I want for you. When you get to the last day of your life, You'll say, I'm so glad I took that next step. I'm so glad I took that next step. And I moved forward in suffering for the good. Now I'm going to give you a next step. I, tell someone about this. Tell someone about a concern you have, like you're, you're mulling over. Tell someone about a vision that you have that you're mulling over. Tell someone about this next step that you think you need to do. Tell somebody. In fact, you can do that right now. You could, on your connection card, tell us. Tell the prayer team. Write it down. Just say, pray for me as I'm considering this. Or I have a vision for this. Pray for me. You know how encouraging it would be for the church to hear what God is doing in the hearts of those around us? So write that down if you can on the connection card. Write, write down what your vision or your next step is. Let us know. And actually, I want to take even farther. Is there anyone in this room today where there's something burning you want to just help someone right now? What the vision is? What the cause is? What's the concern? Next step. Yes. How much time do I have? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, a couple years ago, uh, Tony and I met um, a group of Minneapolis firefighters, and one of them, like, stood out. He is a funny and dynamic guy who does not know Jesus, but he's recently gotten involved in an organization called Coats for Kids where they supply American-made coats to children in poverty. He has picked a school in northeast Minneapolis it's a it's ridden with poverty. Ninety nine percent of the kids in the school are on free and reduced lunch. Uh, there's no money. None of them have ever had a new coat of their own. And um, I emailed him and I told him I'm going to help him and I'm going to help him get a coat for every kid in that school. Mm-hmm. But God spoke to me today that my involvement has nothing to do with any of those kids, but um, for Justin's salvation. So now I really got to get a lot of money to help him. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Gally. Awesome. Thank you. Hmm. Anyone else? Yeah. I am Shirley Alejado, and I have been a nurse for like 25 years, and I, I'm also a Stephen minister, and I try to let the Lord lead me if I'm very good at all. And I was nice and close and comfortable in a long-term care setting that was run by the um, Catholic Church. And the Lord took me out of that setting and put me back in a clinic setting just recently. And um, one of the girls that I work with is a Hmong. And um, I was excited to know that she was a Christian. She had told me that. But then one day she comes to me and she says, you know, Shirley, she says, um, I love Jesus, but you know, I think it's really important to have other gods in our life. Like I have the God of a happy home and I have a Buddha that helps me to have a, um, be a more social person. And I have a God of my reproduction, you know, because I want to, and she started naming all these other gods and, um, they were very real to her. And I really took a step of faith and I said, um, you know, you are a Christian and the Bible says, I am a jealous God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's like if you get married and you tell your husband, I want to live with you the rest of my life. But I have these other men that I really, really like, so I'm going to have them for boyfriends also. I said, if you choose God, he is your God. And she was real quiet and said, oh, and walked away. <laughs> and it made it afresh to me how many of us have other gods in our life. And um, he is a jealous God. Thank you. Anyone else? A vision that's birthing you, and the next step you're going to take. We have time for probably one more. If you tell someone what your next step is, the, the chances of you actually doing it is higher. 
Let me give you the opportunity to do that. Did I see a hand go up? Sorry? Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Do you have something? <laughs> Just pointing to mom. Yes. Hi, May Winhakey. Uh, the Lord, I'm raising two uh, grandchildren. I thought, oh, I don't have to do anything now for the Lord. I don't have to teach Sunday school. I don't have to do. I've already done that. I've already done my part. Been in a bus ministry when I was younger. But the Lord has been speaking me to me this last year or two about my neighbors and uh, Catholic and mostly Catholic, I guess, and some have died. And uh, I keep putting, I don't have time. I got too many grandkids. I don't have time to do that. Just um, this last week, last summer then, this mother across the street's been there for 28 years, I think, or 27, had a little baby, her grandbaby, came all the way over to the park to show me I was over there with some grandkids. And as soon as she was so proud of her grandson, of course not a Christian, uh, through these years I have tried to give tracts and say a few things, but never tried to have a Bible study. So it's been on my heart, and it seems like every time I think about it, so this was a good message today, that uh, something comes up, get busy, whatever, and here, every once in a while, the Lord will th throw another neighbor at me, a different one, a new neighbor, whatever. I have about four or five of them I've met, and, uh, and I haven't done anything about it, but I plan to now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I love this. This is awesome. So let's just, you know, if you have anything else you want to share, share that with the connection card right on the back of it. And because we'd love to pray for you on this. Take that stuff. Tell somebody about this. Don't keep this to yourself. Tell your spouse. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Talk about it. We have the elders, or the elders, the ushers, and the worship team come up. And we're going to end our service this morning. Let me pray for us. God, I praise you for what you're doing throughout Chapel Hill. Thank you for what, how you're challenging us, challenging this community to reach out and to suffer for the good, to suffer for the healing of the world and our families and our neighbors and our friends, the restoration, the redemption, and their salvation as well. Thanks for putting names on our hearts today, people and faces. Thanks for giving us visions and pictures. I pray for those who have a new vision today. Lord, help that vision to mature and grow in them and then prepare them like you did with Moses, like you did with Nehemiah, like you did with Peter and Paul, like how you prepared them for this. Lord, do that work. Lord, I pray for those who are, they've been, God, you've been preparing them all along for something you're about to put in their lap very, very soon. And I pray you would just, uh, you would help them to take those steps faithfully towards what you have for them. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. Use us, we pray. Lord, use us even now as we worship and give back um, money uh, to, to this church, to the ministries of this church, out of, uh, of obedience and worship to you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. And uh, we just want to sing more about you as we close the service. Amen.